0: Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the instructions that you have given us in your word. Lord, we pray that we may have ears to listen this morning. Lord, we pray that you may be with me, speak through me by your Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that we may become more like your son Jesus Christ as a result of listening to your word. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, other than my children or maybe other children in the world, uh, I think all of us know the benefits of having a nice shower or bath, of having a wash. My children are not particularly interested in having a wash. uh, When it comes to the time each day for them to have a bath or have a shower, uh, they can run in the opposite direction. Whereas for me, I have to say that my morning shower has to be one of the most relaxing parts of my day. It is something that I look forward to. It is one of the best ways, I think, to wake up and to start the day. We understand about washing from a very young age. We have benefits of it, and uh, but the question we have to ask is, if the Bible is so instructive to us about many things, does it have anything to say about the subject of washing? Does it have anything to say about the subject of washing? And the passage we're going to look at this morning certainly does. Uh, we're going to be looking at this passage in Exodus chapter 30, verses 17 through to 21, and so I encourage you, if you have a Black Church Bible, open it up to page 84 as we look at this passage together. And we're going to be looking at the subject of washing and what does it? What does God tell us about the need for washing uh, and what we have to do uh, to to wash in a way that is fitting for Him? And so my first main point this morning, if you want to follow my main points, they're listed on the back of the church bulletin. My first is that washing from the bronze basin is commanded for priests. Washing from the bronze basin is commanded for priests. This part of God's word, which is bunched in with a whole bunch of other laws, is about priests and the way that they are to wash. Moses is commanded in verse... 17 and 18 of chapter 30 to make a particular washing piece of furniture that is suitable for washing. What is that? Well, we see it there in verse 17 and 18. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a bronze basin with its bronze stand for washing. God obviously has an interest here in the priests and washing, and he tells them, I want you to make a piece of furniture that will help them to wash. Who are the priests? Who are the people that are supposed to wash? From this basin? Well, it's told to us in verse 19. Aaron and his sons are to wash their hands and feet with water from it. Aaron and his sons, who of course, Aaron being the first priest ordained by God uh, in the, the new covenant that has been made. Well, it's an old covenant to, to us now. But in this new covenant that has been given to the Israelites, Aaron and his sons are to be priests and they are to go undergo this particular washing. Where is this piece of furniture supposed to be set up? Well, verse 18 tells us. 18 says, Make a bronze basin with its bronze stand for washing. Place it between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it. So it's meant to be set up in a particular place for Aaron and his sons to use for washing. Question is, what are they to wash? I mean, there's... Uh, our bodies are there, and what parts of our bodies require washing, uh, according to God's word here, for Aaron and his sons? What are they supposed to wash? Because I know with my children, they're always very curious as to whether it's hair wash night to night, once you actually manage to get them into the bath, into the shower. Uh, we don't wash their hair every night, and so they always say, is it hair wash night tonight?" Whenever there's instructions about washing, we have to say, well, what am I supposed to be washing? And here with Aaron and his sons, it says in verse 19 that they're meant to wash their hands and feet. It's only their hands and feet that God is concerned about being washed in this particular context. Now the question then is, they're meant to wash, and it's meant to be Aaron and his sons, and they're meant to wash their hands and feet, and it's meant to be done in a particular place. When are the priests supposed to wash? When are they supposed to wash? And we are told that in verses 20 and 21. When are the priests supposed to wash according to God? Well, verse 20 reads, Whenever they enter the tent of meeting, they shall wash with water so that they will not die. Also, when they approach the altar to minister by presenting an offering made to the Lord by fire, they shall wash their hands and feet so that they will not die. They're only supposed to wash at a particular time, in this way, from the bronze basin, with it set up on its uh, stand, they're only supposed to wash when they approach the tent of meeting and when they approach the altar to offer a burnt offering on it. It's not like they're supposed to be washing constantly, it's only when they go to these two locations. Then the next question we have to ask when it comes to washing, we've asked, you know, where are you spo- uh, where is the, the washing supposed to be taking place? We've asked uh, who is supposed to wash and what are they supposed to wash? How long are they supposed to keep up this act of washing? Wouldn't it be wonderful, our children would think, that you could just wash once and then that was it for the rest of your life? One bath, one shower, and you can move on. How long do Aaron and his sons have to keep this up for? Well, the end of verse 21 tells us how long Aaron and his sons are supposed to keep this up for. It says this is to be a lasting ordinance for Aaron and his descendants for the generations to come. It's supposed to be something that they keep on doing. It's not like they wash once and then they can go into the of meeting and they wash once and they can go to the altar. No, it's meant to be a lasting ordinance. They're meant to keep on washing. As long as they continue to approach the of meeting and approach the altar, they're meant to make sure that they've washed their hands and feet. So we see here that God is greatly concerned with the priests and washing. But why should they bother? Why is God concerned that they should wash before they approach the tent of meeting and enter into it and before they approach the altar? What is the point of it? Well, that brings me to my second main point this morning. Washing from the bronze basin prevents death. Washing from the bronze basin prevents death. And we see that told to us in verses 20 and 21. Reading from verse 20, it says, Whenever they enter the tent of meeting, they shall wash with water so that they will not die. Also, when they approach the altar to minister by presenting an offering made to the Lord by fire, they shall wash their hands and feet so that they will not die. This is to be a lasting ordinance for Aaron and his descendants for the generations to come. Twice there, in the space of a couple of verses that are dedicated to washing, it's emphasised twice that they should wash so that they will not die. Why would they die? What is the point here? Why would God warn them that if they don't wash, they will die? Is it because of the reason that we often take a shower? Why I make my children wash every day? Is it because God knows that they may die by not being clean. Is this an early approach to germ theory? Because we recognise that if you don't wash on a regular basis, eventually there's a good chance that you're going to die. You're going to catch something. You're going to have some sort of disease come upon you because you're just filthy. So we recognise we need to wash so that we can continue a nice, long and healthy life, hopefully. And so if I stop washing my children because they didn't like getting washed... I think someone would eventually report me because they would recognize that this is neglect. Is this what God is proposing here? He really doesn't want Aaron and his sons to end up catching something nasty. And so that is why he is telling them, make sure you wash. No, I don't think that's the case at all. I think the reason he is saying that they must wash or they will die is because of the locations that they are approaching. Where are they going after they wash? It's the tent of meeting and the altar to offer a burnt offering. And what do those two places signify? Those two places signify approaching God and his presence. The tent of meeting was a special location where God was said to speak with Moses. God's presence came to that tent of meeting. And when people came to the altar, when the priests came to the altar, they were approaching God and offering a sacrifice to God so that people would not be uh, not experience death and judgment for their sin. It's the two locations that these priests are approaching that require washing. Why would it require washing to approach God's presence? Well, we have to remember that all people have sinned against God, including these priests. And if they presume to go into God's presence without recognizing their sin and their need to wash before God, then they would die. If you approach God in your filth, in your sin, then it is very likely you will die. And we see an example of this, someone recognizing this particular situation, is Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5, Isaiah has seen the glory of the Lord. He's seen the Lord and he cries out in verse 5 of Isaiah 6, he says, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty, He's torn up, he recognises he has unclean lips, which is referring to the sin that is on him. And the people around him have unclean lips. They're sinners too. And yet I have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And he says, I'm going to die. But then something happens. In verse 6 we read, Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Isaiah believes he's going to die because he has seen the Lord Almighty. But then a seraph, an angel, comes over and touches his lips and cleanses them with a coal from the altar. And so he is able to continue to live despite the fact that he has been in God's presence as someone who has unclean lips. But then we recognise that here on earth we don't have seraphs available with tongs and coals to cleanse people of their sins so that they can then approach God. So what's the next solution that is given by God to Aaron and his sons to make sure that they are clean when they approach God? Well, it's the washing. They're told to wash to go to this bronze basin that has been made and has water in it and wash so that you can then approach and enter into the tent of meeting and you can approach the altar and not die for approaching God as a sinner because you have washed, you have made sure that you have done what is required so that you are cleansed before God. But what about us today? Do we need to wash Are these instructions for Aaron and his priests and no longer apply to us today? I would guess that no one here in the room would claim to be a descendant of Aaron. I don't know of anyone here that claims to be just a descendant of Abraham, to be a Jew. What do we need to do today? Is this just an interesting part of God's word that has real no significance for us today? It had significance for the Israelites and has no application to us today. Do we need to wash before approaching God? Well, that brings me to my third main point this morning. Washing is still commanded. Washing is still commanded. The command that is given here to Aaron and his priests is really no longer in effect. There is no bronze basin that is available for the priests to wash in. And the New Testament actually tells us that these regulations have been done away with. Hebrews Chapter 9, verse 10, speaking about Old Testament regulations, says they are only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings, these practices. He says external regulations applying until the time of the new order. We're in a new order, the author of Hebrews is saying. And so those things have passed away and a new order has come along. So what about us? What do we need to do? Well, I think the law concerning the Bronze Basin and washing points us to the need that we have to be washed today. It points us to Christ. Washing is still required. We looked at John chapter 13 before, and Jesus washes his disciples' feet. And he says something very interesting to Peter, who says, I don't want you to wash my feet. What does he say to him? John chapter 13, verse 8, Jesus answered him, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me unless I wash you you have no part with me Jesus is saying something profound here about washing saying you have got to make sure you're washed by me or you will have no part with me and of course we want to have a part with Christ do we not so what sort of washing is required of us today particularly when we gather that Jesus isn't around to wash our feet you might say oh that's easy I if Peter you know I just need to be like Peter and Jesus come and wash my feet and then I'll have a part with him But Jesus is no longer here. He's ascended into heaven and is now in session at the right hand of God. He's not around to wash your feet in the way that he did physically with Peter. So what is the washing that God expects of us today? Well, it's a washing by the Holy Spirit. In the New Testament, uh, we see a number of times where it talks about the fact that we are washed by the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, Paul says, And that is what some of you were looking at uh, the way that people behaved in the past, the Christians behaved in the past. But he says, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You were washed. How? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. There's a washing that is now done by the Spirit and that is done to his people. Question is how does this happen and what does the Spirit wash us with? How how do we know that we have the Spirit washing us? What does he use to wash us? Well the New Testament tells us in a number of places that we need to be washed in the blood of Christ, that the blood of Christ is significant, and that is what the Holy Spirit uses to wash us. Revelation chapter seven verse fourteen says Speaking of people who are in heaven, It says, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in, what do they wash their robes in, the people that are in heaven? In the blood of the Lamb. In the blood of the Lamb. See, the Spirit takes the blood of the Lamb and washes people. He washes them. He takes the blood of Christ and he washes them so that they have a part with Christ. And you may say, okay, so when does this happen? When do I get washed by the Spirit? Well, the New Testament teaches us that we're washed when you become a Christian. When you're born again. We read this in Titus chapter 3. Flip with me to this passage. Titus chapter 3, page 1182. 1182. This passage speaks so clearly about the state that we were in and then the washing that happens and when it happens. Titus chapter 3, and I'll read from verse 3, page 1182. Titus chapter 3, verse 3, it says, At one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. What has happened to us says he saved us through the washing of rebirth. When do you get washed by the Holy Spirit? When you're born again. And that's what Jesus speaks about in John chapter 3 as well when he speaks to the Pharisee of Nicodemus. He says you must be born again of water and the Spirit. The Spirit must wash you. You must be born again. And it happens when we're regenerated by God, by his Holy Spirit. So... If we know that we need to be washed, we need to be washed by the Holy Spirit and we need to be washed by the Holy Spirit using the blood of Christ and we know that it happens when we're born again, the question is, how do I know that I have been washed? I know that I've taken a shower each day because I am feeling much cleaner and I know if my kids have washed their hands by a quick examination, that's one of the other things, they do not like washing, they don't like their nightly bath or shower, They also don't like washing their hands. And sometimes we're not so certain when they say that they have washed their hands that they actually have washed their hands. And we say, come here and show me. And one of the quick indications is if there's drips on there. If there's no drips, there's no moisture on their hands, then we look a little closer and say, can I see any dirt on there that should have come off? Yes, sometimes texture sticks on a bit better. But if there's dirt showing there and there's no moisture, we say, I'm not sure you've actually been washed. The same applies for us as Christians, this principles at work. How do I know that I have been washed in the blood of Christ? Should I see blood dripping off me? How do I know that I am regenerate, that I have been born again, that I am washed by the Spirit? Well, the Bible tells us again and again that those who are born again are people who are repentant of their sin. They're sorry for their sin, and they believe in Jesus Christ. If you are washed by the Holy Spirit, then you are sorry for your sins. You have turned from your sin, turned to do what is right rather than wrong, and you are a believer that Jesus Christ died for you at the cross, that your sins were put upon him. And then, if you've done those two things, the Bible also says that one of the great marks of whether you are washed, whether you are a believer, is whether you love those around you. If you, 1 John is so clear on this. If you say you love God and yet hate your brother, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. Do you want to know if you're washed? Don't look for blood coming down you because Christ has washed you in his blood. Look at whether you love those around you. Do you have a love for his people, for God's people? Do you have a love even for your enemies? That indicates then that you are regenerate, that the Spirit has done this work in you. But you may be saying, okay, well why do I need to bother with this washing? What is the point? And we asked that when we looked at the priests. Why should they bother making sure they have washed their hands and their feet in the basin? Sounds like a bit of a... Hassle every time you go somewhere. They had to wash. When they approached a the tenant meeting or the altar, they had to wash. What a real hassle. I can see our children if, you know, they would shun the idea. And I could see priests going, Oh, what a bit of a pain. Why should we bother making sure that we are washed in the blood of the Lamb? Well, that brings me to my fourth main point this morning. Washing in Christ's blood prevents eternal death. Washing in Christ's blood prevents eternal death. See, a very similar reason for the priests washing in the past applies to us today. That same principle is at work. Why did the priests have to wash so they would not die? Why should we wash? Because if we approach God in our sin, we will die eternally. If we seek to go to God after our death, if we seek to go to him in our sin, we will die. But if we are washed in the blood of the Lamb, we can draw near to God. We can approach God, not the of meeting because that is no longer in effect now, but we can approach God, particularly after our death, when we go to the throne of judgment, when we walk up to that throne, we can approach it and not be cast into a second death, eternal destruction in hell. And Hebrews chapter 10 talks about this. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. He says we can approach God with confidence. Why? Why can we approach him? draw near to God? Because our hearts have been sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We can approach God if we are washed, which then also means if we can approach God, we can then have eternal life because we won't be punished eternally in hell. Instead, We will be able to live eternally in heaven. And Revelation 22 says that. Revelation 22 verse 14 says, Blessed are they those who wash their robes, that they may have right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. If you are washed, if you've washed your robes in the blood of Christ, then you have access to that tree of life that was removed from that garden many years ago, the Garden of Eden. You can eat of the tree of life and live forever and go into the gates of that city. So wonderful to know that this is the way we access God and have eternal life is by this washing that takes place in our hearts by the Holy Spirit with the blood of Christ. And it's true. People can go into God's presence even now. There are people in God's presence in paradise with God because of the work of Christ's blood, because they are washed. And we read of those people in Revelation chapter 7. Flip with me to Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, which is found on page 1220. 1,220. Revelation chapter 7, reading from verse 9 where the Apostle John says, and he's looking at paradise, he's looking into heaven, and he says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honour and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. For the lamb at the centre of the throne will be their shepherd and he will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. (laughs) These are people who have washed their robes in the blood of the lamb and they're there in the presence of God. That is why we need to make sure we are washed in the blood of the lamb so that we can approach God and live forever with him. Now, on one level, it should scare us to hear that we need to be washed before we approach God. But then it is wonderful that the Bible also doesn't just tell us about how our sin brings death if we approach God. It's wonderful that it also tells us that there is a way to approach God without dying, even though we are sinners. This is indeed marvelous news that the Bible is full of. Even back there in Exodus 30, it's pointing to this news that we have now, more fully revealed to us, that if you wash, you can approach God. Just like those priests were able to wash and then approach the tent of meeting and enter into it, we too can enter into the most holy place if we are washed. This is wonderful. And I think we have to remember how joyous this should make us feel. Just consider the feeling you've had when you've been particularly dirty in your life at some point. Maybe you fell in the mud. Maybe it's every day when you go to work if you do a particularly uh, dirty job. I still remember every time I came back home after working uh, as a podiatrist, many of you would say, oh, feet, how could you be interested in feet? And yes, it is um, a bit of a dirty job at times. Uh, particularly if you spend most of your day cutting off callus and corns, and and then you get out these things that are nail drills, and there's fungal nails that grow really big, and you get out this burr and you shave them down, and nail dust, fungal nail dust goes up in the air, and you have to wear a mask, and you, it, who knows where it goes? Um, it just floats in the air and over your clothes, and so and and I would go home, and I would always wash when I came home from working in a clinic because I felt kind of filthy. And then I'd get out of the shower and I'd feel clean again. And it's a wonderful feeling. Now, think of something like that. A day when you've been really dirty and the feeling it was to be clean again. And then multiply that by a million and you're still not close to the feeling you should have to know that you have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Because our sins contaminate us and make us filthy and dirty in the sight of God in a way that fungal nail dust can't even approach. Or whatever it is that you've been uh, in a situation where you felt very filthy. Our sins make us so unclean. But then we know that God has washed us by his spirit in the blood of the Lamb, so that we can then approach God. And that should make us people who are filled with joy. We should be walking on air constantly, thinking about how we are now clean. We once were filthy, in the sight of God, but now we are righteous in his eyes and we have eternal life and we can approach God without fear, without fear of death. And that should fill us with joy and a desire to tell others about what Christ has done to us so that they too can be clean. So are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you know that feeling? to recognise that you are a sinner and filthy before God, but then come to this revelation that you are washed, that Christ has died on your behalf so that you can approach him and live eternally in his presence. Are you washed? Let us speak with our God now. Let us pray. (coughs) Heavenly Father, we thank you for how your word points to Jesus Christ in so many different ways. Lord, we thank you for how this passage in the Old Testament illustrates the fact that we need to be washed if we are to approach you without death. And Lord, we thank you that there is a way for us to be washed and it is done by the Holy Spirit with the blood of the Lamb. Lord, we pray that each of us has accepted Jesus Christ's work at the cross. We pray that we may all come before you in repentance and faith and a love for those around us which then reveals to us that we are washed in the blood of the Lamb. Send your Holy Spirit, O Lord, to us gathered here this morning and to those around us, friends, family, the community of Des Moines. Lord, we pray that you would send your Spirit to wash them by the blood of the Lamb. We pray that people will be born again all around us and then live eternally with us in your presence. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.